It's great to be in this church. Um, and as David mentioned, I did grow up in this church. But if I had just arrived here and if I didn't know that was Marcus Street out there and that was Thompson's Road out there, I don't think I would realise that I was in the same building that uh, I spent many years in, uh, in youth groups. So the church looks great. It's a, a great, uh, well, just great to see the, the way it's come together. And uh, I'd heard about plans, uh, but haven't been able to see it. But it's great to be with you today and in your new building. So, um, and we've got lots to thank God for, for this uh, new premises. Um, this morning, I've been part of the. It's a privilege to be part of the, the May Mission Month with your church, to be um, considering Jesus Reigns, which is your theme for this month, and to share on uh, mission. And I just thought a good way of sharing on mission is just to give it to, to, for us to look at a passage and a story of where Jesus takes part in mission. And he takes people along with him because he wants them to learn as well. He takes disciples with him. And so we're looking this morning at those verses that Luke read. And, uh, and there's also a link to MAF because in this story of mission, there's transport. Transport happens. Uh, there was no aeroplanes in Jesus' time. Of course, if there was, he would have he uh, travelled by aeroplane, I'm sure. But Jesus travelled by boat. And it wasn't a long distance. It was only 13 kilometres. The distance from one side of the lake to the other was not a long distance. I think the, uh, I looked up the, the distance between the two heads at Port Phillip Bay. It's about three kilometres. And this is only 13 kilometres. It's only about, oh, at the most, 13 kilometres. So maybe four times that distance. Not a long journey, but a lot happens on that journey that... Uh, talks about how Jesus does reign and talks about how we are to have faith in him. So this morning I want us to look, as we look at these passages, we're going to look at three things. And the first point is that Jesus' his mission, the mission of bringing Jesus is to others. It's to those who are on the other side. And the second thing we're going to look at is that mission brings opposition. There's challenges, there's hardships on the way. And the third thing we see uh, as you've read, as we've just read and considered, mission brings radical change, great change. It brings transformation. It brings completeness and wholeness and, and humanity to, to a person. It restores them to the way God created them, intended them to be. So we're going to look at these uh, together this morning. So we'll start with uh, Mark one thirty-five. Yep. Do I have to point it at the... <laughs> oh, do you want to just manually advance to the first one? Thank you. Yep. So that day, that day when evening came... He, Jesus, said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind him, behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. So Jesus has had a day of teaching. We've learnt that uh, Jesus has had some parables and it is the end of the day. So not surprising, he's tired. And he says to the disciples, let's go to the other side. And the other side doesn't just represent a geographical different location. On the other side, 
are other people. Other people are people who are them. It's not us. It's those people. It's not, it's not me, it's not we, it's not us. It's them and those and the others. And so often, Jesus wants us to engage with others. He wants us to be outside of our comfort zone and go into, mix with those who are other, other than us. Different language maybe, different culture. These people, as we learned in that story, had a lot of pigs, a lot of pigs in the community. A couple of thousand went down the hill. And as, you, as we know, Jews, they don't farm pigs. Um, there was other people living in this area, just on the other side of the lake, not far away, but they were very much other. And Jesus says to his disciples, let's go across to the other side. That takes humility. It takes humility to engage with other people because we often just naturally think that our way is the right way or we've got it right. And Jesus says, that in this case, and throughout the New Testament, we see where God's Spirit leads his people to engage with others. The first point is to have the humility. The disciples could have said, we're not going there, Jesus. Not into that. Too many pigs over there. But they prepare the boat and they go. As David said, I had the privilege of working with MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, as a pilot in Papua New Guinea. And that took humility. Often as pilots, uh, it, it appears as a, as a glamorous job. You think of, your, you think of yourself doing, uh, operating these uh, very technical machines and, and have been quite glamorous. Being a, a pilot in mission aviation is very much a job that requires humility. And I learned that one day when I was having to return a body that had, um, of, a, of a young, young man who'd been who had come from a very, very remote community. It was so remote they didn't even have a radio to communicate backwards and forwards. But that community had got their funds together and they'd sponsored for two young men to come into the, the local town, Garoka, to go to high school. One of those young men got sick. And so he got uh, so sick he was hospitalised and then very sadly he died. Uh, but there was no way to give this communication back to his village. The people weren't aware of that. And they also didn't very often have an aeroplane come. But usually when the, when the uh, MAF aeroplane comes to a very remote place, it's a lot of excitement. People come from everywhere. When you're flying over the top, you see the kids running from the, from the schools to the airstrip. The people who have been working in the fields, they're racing to the airstrip because they want to see who's coming. Or, or what's, getting, what's getting delivered, or who's getting picked up. And so there's usually a lot of excitement. And I could see that as I was coming to deliver this, this um, deceased young man. I could see that excitement. But I was also focused on that flight of, of myself. I wasn't thinking of how this might impact the community. Because this young man had been dead for several days. There hadn't been a morgue. Um, his body was decomposing and it was an awful, awful smell. Um, terrible smell. I'm sure many of you who work in medical would have some idea of that. And so I was flying this aeroplane, worried about myself and how indignant it was that I was having to do this flight with this awful smell. And I was flying with my nose up on the, the air vent that was just in the front of the aeroplane. I wasn't thinking about the community. I wasn't thinking about the, the mother and the father that had lost somebody. It was about self, and my feelings were about myself. 
When we're doing mission, Jesus wants us, and Glenn just remind us as he shared communion, it's about self-denial. Jesus wants us to die to ourself and to be alive to him. And I had to learn that when I saw the response in the community, when I landed, there was the usual excitement. And when the community realised there was only one person, one of the two young men in the aeroplane they could see, they started to realise that maybe the other boy was in a coffin, uh, which he was. And then this great grief broke out once they realised that he, was, he had uh, passed away. Going into mission, engaging with those on the other side, requires us to be humble, requires us to deny ourselves, requires us to follow Jesus, requires us, when Jesus says, get the boat ready, to do that, not to say, I don't want to go to those people. It doesn't have to be difficult, engaging with the other, other side. I was uh, on my way down here to, to Melbourne. I took the last weekend and, and my wife and I saw two of our children who live on the Gold Coast and we were at the New Life Uniting Church you know, on the Gold Coast last Sunday. And I was talking with a lady after the service there and she was from, she'd grown up in uh, central China, very rural place and uh, close to... Oh, well, central, central China anyway. And she'd grown up believing and been told that any sort of worship and religion, belief in, in a God, was going to destroy your life, was going to be a negative thing in your life. She wanted to get out of her village and, and develop herself and give herself more opportunity. So she studied hard and then went to Beijing and got work in accounting. Wanted to develop her qualifications further and applied for a scholarship and got a scholarship to come to Australia. And in Australia, when she was a student to, uh, in accounting, she got a homestay with a, f a family from Cambodia, a Khmer family. And this Khmer family were Christians and they had just things around their house. They, they were, she said they were out most of the time. She hardly interacted with them because they were out a lot working. But in their home, they had references to Jesus, Jesus being their Lord and the things that were some passages from the Bible. And that got her thinking and she asked questions and this couple shared their faith. Very simple thing, just opening the home to somebody else, someone who's from the other side. Just our, our life being open to them gives opportunity for God's spirit to work through us and of course he's working in their life to share Christ. So mission is about bringing Jesus to others. Uh, MAF is involved in, in overcoming barriers, just like crossing that lake. Um, we often see that in our world, areas that are hard to get to, hard to get, um, hard to get to areas uh, where there's big problems with access, there's often big problems with, with health, with education, with development. In Bangl there's a picture of Bangladesh. Um, those red areas are areas where there's extreme poverty. Those areas coincide with areas that are hard to get to. So MAF uses a seaplane uh, in, in Bangladesh to get access uh, to those communities. Similarly, in uh, Myanmar, where we're just in the process of setting up an operation which has uh, come to a sudden halt, of course, with the, the recent coup. So God hasn't finished that. That story's not finished yet, but we've made certain progress. And you can see those dark areas, uh, again, around the perimeter of the country where, the, where there's high mountains. They're hard to get to locations. 
So MAF, MAF's strategy is to use small aircraft to get access to these hard to reach areas so that people's lives can be enriched, so they can have an opportunity for education and for health access, so they can have hope and hear of the love of Christ through the work of other missionaries and other churches. It's about going to the other side. It's not just about going to the other side, but mission also faces opposition. In the story we read, it wasn't an opposition, opposition of people, but it was an opposition of nature. Very small journey, but very dramatic journey. And they had trouble getting there. We read here, that a furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Often the case in our life, isn't it? We have difficult days, difficult times, sickness, hardship at work, family tensions, things we pray about and we don't get an answer to. And it seems like God doesn't care. It seems like God's asleep. It seems like it was like with Jesus. He's just asleep in the boat. We're having a hard time. We're digging this. We're scooping this water out. We're trying to keep afloat. We're trying to keep alive. And Jesus, he's just asleep. Doesn't care. And that's what the disciples thought. The disciples thought that Jesus didn't care about their predicament. And it was a treacherous treacherous situation. They interpret his sleeping that his lack of, of action in helping them is that he doesn't care. And that's often the case in, in missions. Um, I was actually reading during the week that five or six percent each year of missionaries leave the, the field, which is actually not, not a very big number. That means that uh, on average missionaries are serving for nearly 20 years, which is, which is actually a very, very long time as an average. But 70% of the reason why people uh, who are involved in w working in cross-cultural mission leave and finish is because it, they, their expectations weren't met. They weren't expecting things to be the way they were. And I think in mission we can expect opposition because there's, there's opposition to God's love going to people. There's an enemy who's seeking to, to destroy and, and uh, devour Lies. There's opposition to the, the work of the church. And we should expect that in mission. That mission, that opposition, can even start before we get involved in mission. In this case, before the disciples arrived over the other side of the lake, they're experiencing opposition through this storm that's come up. I know uh, Sue and I, when we were preparing for mission, there was, there was opposition along the way. I remember when we joined MAF a second time in 2007, I was working with a guy and he said, um, I love the work that MAF's doing. I love Jesus. I'm going to join you in two years' time. I'm going to be, be part of the team as well. And that was now that's, uh, 14 years ago. And he said, two years' time, I will have got my promotion and then I'll come and join. But he's waiting for another two-year promotion. And then two years later, there's another promotion. And it's very easy for us to get distracted on the road to be involved in mission. Or when we're in the mission, to be seeing something else. Jesus wants us to see the people. Jesus doesn't want us to see 
the circumstances as something that we can't overcome, but he wants us to keep focusing on the people on the other side. So the disciples, they, they wake Jesus. They don't ask him to help them get the water out. They just say, why are you sleeping? Don't you care about us? Uh, don't you care if we're going to drown? And then he wakes up in verse 39, the next verse. He gets up and he rebukes the wind and he says to the wave, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Jesus reigns, hey. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus rebukes the wind and the wave and there's his response. He's reigning. He is the Lord over the creation. But he's also rebuking the disciples in a way because they've got fear. And Jesus has already revealed enough of himself that his desire is that they have faith in him. Not that they have fear. And we know that the Bible makes it very clear that fear and faith are mutually exclusive. We shouldn't, when we have faith in God who is loving, when we know Christ, we don't need a fear. Because even though the things we're going through might be difficult, we know they're passing through loving hands and that God loves us. So Jesus was rebuking them. Why do you not have faith? You know, the cool thing about, uh, one of the cool things about doing mission too, even when we mess up like the disciples did here, we don't have faith in Jesus. We don't give the wrong response. We don't come to the right conclusion. God graciously responds. And as Jesus has done here, Jesus has journeyed with the disciples and helped them see more of who he is. And when we do step out of our comfort zone, when we do journey to the other side, when we do go to the other side and we're outside of our comfort zone, we see more of Jesus. The disciples didn't realise Jesus could speak and that the wind would stop, and that the waves would stop. There's some things that we think we know about God, and then we're in a particular, peculiar situation, and then we learn more. God is gracious with us. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have all the faith to go on mission. But Jesus wants to grow our faith through his spirit and reveal more of God to us. Last year was the 75th anniversary of MAF, um, because of COVID, they didn't celebrate it last year, but there was a celebration earlier this year that uh, was a kind of a video, uh, big video gathering. Um, some of it pre-recorded. Um, Jim spoke on it and some other uh, pioneering people within MAF spoke uh, of their service with MAF. And one of the, um, one of the uh, early leaders of MAF, some of you would know Max Myers, uh, from, a guy from Melbourne. And he spoke on that video as well. And he was asked a question about uh, some of his, to give, to give reflection on his uh, time serving with MAF many years ago. And he could have talked about many different things. He could have talked about the volumes of people and the, and the, and the um, amount of, of number of flights and, the, and the kind of the magnitude of what was done. But he actually talked about what God did to him and to his life. And so often we think that mission is about what we're doing. 
It's about the, in our Western world, we want to be productive. We want to do, we want to see numbers. We want to see change and, and visibility of that. And God's interested in us being his ambassadors, being like Christ in amongst the people who are on the other side. So Max talked about an exam, a, a situation that he could remember where he had a, he, he used the term stinky grace. I think he, I think it was stinky grace he, he used that term that he'd been asked to do an extra flight at the end of the day. He had his flights booked to go right to the end of the day. He was going to get back just before it got dark. And uh, he was asked to do a a medevac flight to uh, recover a young boy who was in serious sickness. And he didn't want to cancel the other flights he had and mess up other schedules. And he initially said no to that. And he talked to the civil aviation people. And they said, there's no one else. There's no other flights in that area can you please go and do this flight? And so he said he did that. But he had a terrible attitude. And he said the, the boy was on this bush material stretcher being carried from some village, some, some place far away. Face covered in flies. Um, just a really smelly situation, a difficult situation. And he was, still had this grumpy attitude that he had to, to, to uh, disrupt his day to, to serve. They loaded the boy in the plane and uh, he said they took off and they were heading back to, to WeWAC, which was a kind of a regional centre, and he arranged for, the, for an ambulance to be there um, to meet. And then he said he looked down at the boy that was lying on the floor beside him and he had this real conviction that his attitude stunk. It was his attitude that stunk and that God didn't want him to see the boy this way. And so he grabbed the boy, he, he trimmed out the aircraft, uh, didn't have an autopilot, it was a very, very basic plane, but he trimmed out the aeroplane so it would fly without hands on the controls and he reached down and he grabbed the boy's, boy's hand who was unconscious by this stage and the, the boy, um, after his hands were grabbed, the boy opened his eyes and of course got a huge fright because he's suddenly in an aeroplane with a, a pilot with pale skin and uh, all this noise around him. And so Max says that he says, he told the boy, he wouldn't have understood the English language, but he said, I'm taking you to a place where you can get healing and care. And then not long after that, the boy closed his eyes, but he had a smile on his face, but he had passed away. And he had gone to a place of healing, a place of hope. Max believes that he went to, to be with the Lord. But he... Max says, I learned so much from that myself. I learned that Jesus wants me to have the right attitude. And so it is when we do mission, there's not just the things we do, but it's what God does in our life as we obediently go on the journey to engage with those on the other side, to to engage with those who are different and outside of our comfort zone. So it's worth pushing through the opposition Finally, we see that mission brings radical change. There's this awful scene. Luke read it about this man. What a devastating picture of a human being living in torment. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore not even with a chain. 
Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. What a terrible picture of life. Just living in a tormented state that you can't even be at peace. You're at night, you're in the tombs, you're cutting yourself, you're naked, you're ripping chains apart. This man needs special help. Sometimes a soup. Sometimes our sin can be appealing, and maybe this man's supernatural strength was appealing. But it's not who he's made to be. And he meets Jesus, and those spirits submit. In the next slide, we read that when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? This weird dynamic. He's a human being, never met Jesus, doesn't know anything about Jesus, but the spirits that are controlling his life and that are causing him to live in such a devastated way acknowledge that he is the Redeemer. He is the one who reigns. And they come and they rush to Jesus. What are you going to do with me? Evil knows the king. Evil knows Jesus and that he is the son of the most high God. We can be afraid. We can be afraid of evil spirits. We can be afraid of sickness. We can be um, afraid of confrontation. In this story, this record, Jesus makes it. We get some idea of, of, we don't need to be afraid because just Jesus hopping off the boat In the presence of this person, they are submitting to Jesus. We don't need to be afraid of taking Jesus with God's spirit going into places of evil. We don't need to be afraid of of confronting evil or, or going and confronting evil spirits because Jesus, you just see this complete authority that he brings and we have God's spirit with us. And then, and then we read in verse 15 that when they came to Jesus, they, this is after Jesus has, um, I won't talk about the pigs for, for the sake of time, plus it's not a very nice story. <laughs> um, and I think there's a, a rule being passed in Victoria at the moment, isn't there, about um, animal, animal rights. didn't exist in this time. And, and, uh, so we won't talk about the pigs, but this man is released from this spirit. And we read here this beautiful contrasting image, the change that mission brings. They see a man who had been, the man who'd been possessed with the legion of demons and he's sitting there and he's dressed and he's in his right mind. That is a picture of transformation. And that is the work of eternity. That is our invitation to be involved in bringing Jesus to others. It's not, we don't have to do it. Jesus does the change. We can be like the disciples or we can be like the people driving the boat. We bring Jesus into that situation. We can just be sharing what Jesus is doing in our life and he brings the transformation. He's brought this full, he's brought this restoration to a man who was barely recognisable as a man. We've got Christ within us and he calls us to be his ambassadors so what's the response well 
like is often the response, or sometimes the response when, when good news is brought, when uh, hope is brought to a situation, some people don't like the change of order. They don't like the change in the power. They don't like the, the unknown, the uncertainty. They don't like the submission to someone else's authority. In this community, they're afraid. They reject Jesus. Even though this man has seen this great transformation in his life, they say, Jesus, we don't sure we want this kind of change now. In our life, we want you to go away. But the man, his response is, he begs, Jesus, let me come with you. I want to be part of your team. I want to know you more. I want to grow in you. And sometimes Jesus says to people that he encounters, he says, yes, come and follow me. In this case, he says, no, I want you to go back to your people, to your family, not to the others, but to your people. I don't want you to tell them, what the Lord has done in your life. There he's saying that I'm, I'm the Lord, I'm God. He's saying, you go tell the people, your people, in your home, what I, the Lord, have done in your life. And that's a challenge for us. Who are the others in our life? What is it that the Lord's done in your life that he wants you to share with your family? And... What is your response? What is my response to bringing this good news? So as, we, as you as a church uh, focus on mission for this next month, my prayer is that God um, opens your eyes to see opportunities and that you, each of us, each of us have a story to tell. Each of us have little testimonies. We heard a great testimony this morning. Something we can share with others. And I, let me just pray uh, for each of you and myself as we bring Jesus to others. Father, we thank you for this record. We thank you that you reign over the powers of evil, that you reign over demons and evil spirits, that you are even Lord over nature. We thank you that you have given us an invitation too to be your ambassadors and to um, bring good news to other people. We pray that we might not be afraid to, to go and mix with others, we pray that we might not be overwhelmed by opposition, but that we'd have a knowledge and a confidence that your spirit goes with us. We pray this for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen.